Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning, worldsoccertalk.com. Every single day, Monday through Friday, you're home for chat about the world's game, uh, discussion, uh, analysis, whatever we come up with around here. Today will be a good day for the last of those things. David Cartledge will join us momentarily to talk about the big news out of Spain. Yes, we have a managerial change at Real Madrid. Rafa Benitez is out. Zinedine Zidane, one of the Galacticos, is in. Is this the right move for Real Madrid? Is this just typical Florentino Perez? We'll talk to David. We'll, uh, un- you know, look, it's not as though Rafa Benitez was a massive success there at Real Madrid. Uh, but it, it, it makes you wonder if this is the right time for someone like Zidane starting his managerial career to be given uh, such a responsibility at the biggest club in the world. That is the lead story here. Uh, so let's just dive right in. Benitez fired after seven months. He won 17 games, drew five, lost three while in charge. That put his uh, win percentage at a paltry 61.1% of the last five managers at Real Madrid. And again, they like to change managers. He had the lowest winning percentage by a significant, fairly significant margin. You have to go back to Bern Schuster, who did win, uh, who did win a, a La Liga title. Uh, there at Real Madrid, to find someone else in the 60s. You had uh, Juan de Ramos at 70%, uh, Manuel Pellegrini at 81%, Jose Mourinho, 76%, Carlo Ancelotti, 75%. Those are the previous uh, four managers at Real Madrid uh, before Rafa Benitez showed up. Zinedine Zidane is the 11th manager appointed during Florentino Perez's uh, 12 years as club president. So again, lots of change there. Zidane has not uh, coached at the top level, but he does have uh, experience coaching Real Madrid's B-side, which is in the third division. He's been doing that uh, since 2014. Uh, In other managerial news, Pep Guardiola has said what we all believed was the case, and he would like to go to the Premier League. He said that in a press conference yesterday. said that despite reports that a detail, uh, that may have been today, I'm not sure when the press conference happened, uh, he said that despite reports that a deal is already in place with Manchester City, he actually has not signed a contract. That may be bluffing. He may have a deal in principle. We'll see. He says he wants, quote-unquote, a new challenge after his time in Germany with the biggest uh, club there, uh, Bayern Munich. He's got jobs to finish at Bayern Munich. We expect him to win another Bundesliga title, but can he take that team and win European uh, European tr- uh, championship as well? That remains to be seen, uh, but the speculation, and look, the, you don't need to do much to get the English press worked up. Uh, the speculation is going to go uh, crazy until he actually joins a club at some point this summer when his Bayern Munich contract runs out. Wayne Rooney has won the England Player of the Year Award for the second consecutive year, as voted on by three Lions supporters. Okay, 37% of the vote went to Wayne Rooney. Harry Kane finished in second with 30%. And as I mentioned, Rooney won that award in 2014 as well. Here's something interesting that speaks to the modern state of the game. Sportswear giant Adidas says they are unhappy with Manchester United's style of play. Think about that just for a second and think about what that means. Adidas signed a 10-year, £750 million contract with Manchester United last summer. 
obviously replacing uh, replacing Nike as the kit supplier for Manchester. Not a big deal, uh, massive money. I believe that's that's right. They did have they they were Nike before, right, Trevor? Uh, regardless, CEO Herbert Heiner says the company hoped for a better style of play under Louis Van Hall, but they are happy with the business relationship. They've sold more shirts than they expected. Again, just think about what this means when Adidas, who is making a significant investment in in Manchester United, don't get me wrong, um, I suppose they should expect some sort of return. But they, you're signing up with Manchester United because of the brand that Manchester United is. You don't. I, I don't know that that I I'm comfortable. Even if they are technically a stakeholder in Manchester United style of play, I don't know if I'm comfortable with Adidas expressing their displeasure with said style of play. I don't know, just it feels wrong. It feels I mean this is this is Under Armour at Maryland and Nike at Oregon and 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 even I mean you, those are colleges and that that's even worse on some level, but this is I'm, I I'm not the only one that feels uncomfortable with this, am I? It's just strange to see the CEO of Adidas publicly talk about the style of play at Manchester United as if as if Adidas has a right to uh, to to call out the club that they are signed up with when they're signed up with many many clubs around the world. It's not as though it's not as though Adidas has one contract and Manchester United is their only contract. Very strange situation. Former U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper Brad Friedel, he of 82 caps, is the first U19 head coach in U.S. soccer history. The first U19 camp will kick off on January 27th. The U19 Men's National Team program has been added to the men's youth program this year uh, to, and features players born in 1998 who are coming off playing in the U17 World Cup in Chile in October. They're filling gaps here at U.S. soccer uh, they're, they're adding more teams. In addition to Friedel's appointment at the U19 level, Omid Namazi was named head coach of the USU18. So you have the U17s, U18s, U19s, U20s. Uh, we have a how many? How many other teams do we have? I know we have the U23, obviously getting ready for the Olympics uh, under uh, Andy Herzog. So uh, plenty of, of teams to fill out the uh, numerous spots where players need more uh, uh, more. Um, Excuse me. They more need more attention from the national team program. All right. Here we go. David Cartledge from Spain to talk about Rafa Benitez, Zinedine Zidane, the situation at Real Madrid. We may drift into other La Liga and Spanish topics as well. Let me just say this. Pray for producer Trevor. He has no heat in his uh, coming to America style apartment. It is very cold there. We're hoping not to lose him today. Let's step aside. Here we go. David Cartledge talking some Spanish football. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, guys, we are back on Soccer Morning. It's Tuesday. And as I just uh, 
As I just said to uh, to our friend joining us on the telephone, David Cartledge, things never really stop in Spain, so it's not as though he can ease into the new year. He's got to hit the ground running, covering the managerial change at Real Madrid. Uh, David, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be nice to be back. It's nice yeah. to have you I, again. Happy New Year to you. Uh, Happy New Year to Zinedine Zidane. But let's before we get to Zidane and the position he's in. Um, let's, let's talk about Rafa. Let's talk about whether or not he outlasted your expectations. You know, I think it was the cynical take from the very beginning was that Rafa wouldn't last. And maybe that was about Rafa, but maybe that's about Florentino Perez. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, we said at the start, I think if he went back to, to that show when he was first appointed, we, we would have said, uh, he, he was the, he was the wrong man for this squad. It was, he was just so at odds with them and in, in terms of, uh, a tactical and style point of view, and then as a as a manager as well, he's 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 known not for his personal touch, and ultimately the personal touch has perhaps been the most significant factor here. Um, I think I think Rafa's failure to to really impact on the players for them to really fall for him, um, like they did Carlo Ancelotti, um, has been a big failure. I think it could have got him through a series of bad results uh, if the players believed in him, but uh, ultimately they, they didn't at all, and, and the fans lost their uh, hope, I think, pretty quickly, if if some never really believed in him. Mm. Um, you know, I, I was looking at the, 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 the numbers as we came on the air and, and talked about this story. He does have the lowest winning percentage of any Real Madrid uh, boss uh, over the last five, and that goes back to, I think, 2007 with Bern Schuster. So it's not as though there isn't legitimate reason for this. And as you said, stylistically, he didn't fit. It just it makes you wonder. And look, Real Madrid is a club, probably the biggest in the world, uh, with incredible resources. Uh, they have talent. That's not the issue. It's just whether or not this lack of continuity is going to serve them well in this particular season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one is really doubting this squad. That's the, that's the strange thing. Nobody's actually looking at it and saying, oh, Rafa's been dealt a bad hand here. He hasn't maybe got another central midfielder. He hasn't got another winger, things like that. Okay, Real Madrid could always maybe do with another striker, potentially. But that squad is, is, is fantastic where he's had at his disposal. Um, the, the options are there. They've been relatively injury-free. They've had the odd injury, okay. But I think 99% of the time, he's had a, one hell of a team. Uh, available to him um, and, and the fact is uh, against the big teams against the important teams the Sevillas the Virial Valencia this weekend he's failed to win um, against the smaller teams he was largely unconvincing um, those those smashing results like the, like the one against Rayo Vallecano and Malmo really disguised the fact that this team was uh, not all together and not at all convincing and not dominating and any team, whether it be big or small, so it's it's really really not a surprise. It's it's funny. It's such a, I think it's been such a unique incident in that that when he was appointed, everybody knew this was doomed to failure, and you you can't really claim that. Oh, I was right from the start because the fact was everybody was right. <laughs> everybody said that, and, and and again, I mean, probably even Rafa knew that this was always a tenuous situation. But at this point, especially where Rafa was in his career, how do you turn down Real Madrid? I don't, I don't blame him for any of the. I, I, I blame him for maybe not succeeding because that's the expectation at Real Madrid, uh, succeeding to the point of being you know, top of the league. He obviously has them in the last 16 of the Champions League. Um, but in, in, terms of, in terms of taking the job, in terms of who he is as a manager, uh, David, re- really, how do we blame Rafa Benitez? Yeah, I mean, this is his dream job, you know. Real Madrid's in his blood. It's it's, it's his team, you know. This was what his this is what he loved dreamt of when he became a manager, becoming the Real Madrid manager. And he's had a chance at his dream, and and 
it may sound harsh, but he's failed miserably, but nobody blames him for taking this job, of course. I think he knew the pressures, what would come with it. They soon came to the fore, I think, pretty much instantly in that first press conference uh, and the way that Ancelotti departed. And you had a series of players posting pictures of Ancelotti when Benitez was manager and and before he was even appointed as well. So it was, he knew what, what, exactly what was going to be on the tin, but ultimately it, it's just been far, far too much for him to, to handle. Uh, let's talk about the the, the reaction. Um, again, not a lot of surprise to the fact that Rafa didn't last um, you know, it, I guess this is now about Zidane, but it's also about the reaction. And, and there's already the reports, and this is just part of, I imagine this is just part of the, the out of control story mill that is Real Madrid and, and, and covering that team, David. But there's already the reports that Gareth Bale is upset and, and, and wants to quit and, and is, uh, and Manchester United is, is lurking. What's the, what's the story there? Yeah, um, Bale was one of the players that had, actually really warmed Benitez. Benitez had, uh, had shown him um, a lot more attention, shall we say, and, and, and really played up to what Bale wanted. And Bale's actually been playing really well. I think um, I, I, I'm disappointed with what Bale's doing overall at Real Madrid, but I think this is his best spell of form um, alongside when he, when he first began at Real Madrid. So I think he's, playing, been, uh, he's been playing really well. So I think in the dressing room, he's going to be the player that is uh, most gutted, um, without a doubt. But in terms of him leaving... I really can't say irrelevant of who the manager is, whether whether it would have been Ancelotti, whether it had been Benitez, or whether it's Sedan. I think he's going to be available in the summer, um, and I think Manning United are really going to test mm. uh, Real Madrid's resolve with a, with a big offer and a chance to recoup that money they paid for him. Um, so I think that's still going to happen irrelevant to who the manager. Well, I mean, and like nothing happens at Real Madrid without Ronaldo imposing some sort of influence, and then the other element to this story is that, you know, Ronaldo's never been very comfortable with, with Bale coming in on that record fee and that Ronaldo didn't get along with, with Rafa Benitez. And, and now those two things are coming to a head because now, not only do we have Rafa fired and there being the sense that, that Ronaldo had something to do with that or his relationship with Rafa had something to do with that, there's also this story out, the reporter, I believe, at the Sunday Times saying that uh, he was specifically asked not to write about Gareth Bale's transfer fee because it upset Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, that's no surprise. That's the, again, like we talked about the pressures, what Rafa Benitez had to deal with. That's just one of the things, the, these egos that he, that he has to deal with. And, and, and it, it, I would not be surprised if that is completely true because there's been similar said before, um, in different manners in terms of players getting a contract and then somebody else wanting a contract to match that and, and things such as that. So yeah, that, that would be no surprise to me. Um, and so at this point, uh, Zizou comes in. He's, he's a towering figure in the history of the game, David. There is no doubt about that. I mean, I know the memes are all, uh, you know, the headbutt, Matarazzi in 2006, and, and ha, ha, ha. He's got no top-level managerial experience. He's managed the Real Madrid B-side for a couple of seasons or a season and a half. What What does he have that's going to help him in this job? Because we are talking about the most political, pressurized managerial job in the world. Yeah, I think I think first um, the first thing he needs to do is is take command of those players um, in, in terms of character, in terms of personality. He needs to. I think they'll respect him for what he's achieved in the game and, and the figure that he is at uh, Real Madrid. Rafa didn't really have that, you know. He came off the back of a job at Napoli that was pretty dismal. His reputation in Tatters. Whereas Zidane, obviously his managerial experience, he, he can't hold that up or he can't is his status as a player and his command in the game. You know, people really, really respect him. So I think the minute he walks in 
that dressing room. He's he's the sort of guy who just exudes class and and power in football. Um, and he's he's going to be a big big factor in that in that sense. That's what he's really got to put across. He's he's got to really play up to these players and and, and treat them, give them the attention, and and really pamper them in a it would not in a sense that they are like prima donnas in the way that they are they all feel part of this. That's something what Rafa failed to do miserably. Uh, yeah, I mean, look in terms of in in terms of his bearing and his gravitas. I mean, there's no doubt that that Zinedine Zidane has all of that. Um, I guess, you know, we, we, I imagine we're going to see some sort of new manager bump for whatever that's worth at a place like Real Madrid yeah. where you're winning 90% of your game. You should be winning 90% of your games or at least getting points out of them. Um, beyond that, though, I mean, what's the, what's the, what's the prognosis, uh, David? Yeah, I mean, he's got an easy run of games to start with, which is why I say he's got a nice run of games to start with, shall we say. You know, he, he's going to be really eased in very gently. It could have been a lot, lot worse for him. So he's he's got that on his side. And then I think beyond that, of course, like you said, he, he was asked today in, the, in his first press conference as the manager um, and not the presentation. He was asked what's the, what's, what you've just asked me. And he said is to win everything. That's Real Madrid. That's what it says on the tin. And he'll, he will be expected to win everything. That's how it goes there. Irrelevant of his experience or what he's done and what he's not done, he will be asked to win everything. That's Real Madrid. That's what happens no matter who you are. Certainly. Uh, so, so what? I mean, you know, right now Atleti's top of the table. Uh, Barcelona's um, a little bit back, but they've got a game in hand. I'm not. I haven't. Don't have it right in front of me, David. I will pull it up. Real Madrid's in third place. That that's not good enough. Um, not winning the league is not good enough for a place like Real Madrid. But they've struggled to do so in recent years. Um, why will Zidane succeed in that? Whether it's in 2016 or or next season. Yeah, I mean, why he will succeed, I think, again, it comes back to who, who he is. I mean, he's really got to develop on the, on the job as a manager. He's already said, don't compare me to Guardiola. I'm not the new Guardiola. And I think replicate, trying to replicate that, I think Real Madrid have tried to replicate La Messiah before and failed. And so I think if this is a direct replication of an attempt at what Guardiola did coming from the ranks of Barcelona to the greatness that he achieved, then I think it will be a great failure. So Zidane really, really needs to find himself. I think in the next couple of months to a year I think as long as he's still there then he will have to find himself as a coach and identity what he will run with as a coach in his entire career and it's a real injury he's got to do that so he's got a, he's got a multitude of tasks I think to, to look upon personally and from a collective point of view um, looking at the team Is there going to be I mean what kind of support do we expect from, from Perez? I mean th- th- this is a, a, again a different dynamic I mean Rafa Benitez loved Real Madrid there was no doubt about that but this is this again the bearing the the the, the pedigree the playing history um, the fact he was a Galactico whatever he delivered at the club during his years there Perez is going to have a different level of um, I don't know what what kind of relationship do we expect out of out of Zidane the manager and Florentino Perez the club president yeah I mean already this looks like a move from Perez who, who who's admitted his failure um, not obviously as such because he doesn't really take responsibility for anything. Um, so he, this is kind of admittance of his failure that, that Rafa is gone. But to appease the fans, to try and save his back slightly, he brings in a guy like Zidane, a, a, a guy who the fans, who's universally loved. He's such a big, big um, favorite amongst the fans, amongst the hardcore, amongst the casual fans. Um, so that, that's, that helps him there. And the relationship between the two, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops because, you know, I think Perez, Florentino Perez really has to, 
approach this differently because of Zidane and his stand and that he is still learning the ropes. He's going to have to maybe change. And that would be the key. But will Perez change? Will he ever change? We, we don't really know. But I think he needs to. I think he needs to lay off Zidane a little bit, ease the pressure off him. And everybody's got to really help him as much as they can because I think if it goes right, then Real Madrid could potentially have uh, a long-serving coach who could bring a lot and change the identity of the club. But there's always that chance he just goes the same way as every other coach. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I understand this from, okay, uh, look, again, it's Real Madrid. The, 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 the draw, the attraction is uh, almost irresistible, I suppose. But if you're Zidane and you're just getting started and, 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 you know, he's already had to, to face down the Pep Guardiola comparisons, is this really, the way you want to enter the world of, of management to go to, again, the most pressurized job in the, in the world where, you know, he, he's probably going to be able to get a job after this regardless of what happens at Real Madrid. But yeah. it, it does sort of, there's only, a one, there's only one direction to go, really, unless he wins everything off the bat. Absolutely. I mean, personally, I don't like it. I think, I think the ideal route would have been him seeing the season out with Castilla. If we're talking from a Zidane perspective and his career, I would have said, see out the season with Castilla and then potentially see what jobs are available in Liga. And I saw there was a job linked there. I think it was the Bordeaux job. And I thought, wow, that's ideal. That's, it's in Liga. And it's, it's kind of out the spotlight a little bit. Uh, you know, there's some good young players there coming through. So I could test them in that regard. And then obviously you could um, maybe punch above the weight as well. And I thought that was an ideal opportunity for him to maybe take the next two or three years out the spotlight and then see where Real Madrid are. Um, and uh, then that seemed ideal, but obviously here we are. <laughs> He's appointed Real Madrid manager already. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know I, and, and uh, you know, I, I just wonder, and, and this is both for the fans of Real Madrid and and and, and fans in general. Is there going to be are, are people going to conflate Zinedine Zidane the player with Zinedine, Zinedine Zidane the man? I mean, I think there's re- plenty of reason to doubt this, David, and yet you, you get the sense. And I don't know if this is from the Madridistas or or who that it's almost it's almost you're not supposed to doubt Zidane. Yeah. No, that's how it, that's how it is. He's he's created there as a player, and like I said, of the icon status that he's got, as uh, that he got as a player there, and what he won, what he achieved. Um, and it is it's going to be difficult to put to 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 do that. And I know other managers have had the same problem as well. You know they were so successful in their playing careers, and they haven't it hasn't really transpired for them as a coach. And I think this might be the most. I think it was, if it did not work out with Zidane, I think it would be one of the most difficult blows I think in Real Madrid history for their fans to take. Do, do because you, this has been discussed for so so long. Yeah. Coming in. Yeah. Do, do do you do you honestly believe though that this is Perez? Or Real Madrid as a club ad- attempting to replicate something Guardiola-like uh, Barcelona? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not um, aligned to any particular club, Barcelona or Madrid, but Real Madrid have got a history for trying to replicate what Barcelona have done. And this is just another instance of it. And in that regard, I mean, the, the paint the differences. I mean, they're fairly obvious from where I sit, David. But as someone who covers these clubs and covers that league and and understands Spanish football, I mean, we're talking about a, a you know, there is a foundation there when Pep Guardiola moves from from being a player at Barcelona to being a coach within the system to being the the manager of the senior side. There, the, there's a, a progression, and it feels natural and organic. Yeah. And, and it and, and there's again a, certainly a support system there in Barcelona. I mean, you know, La Masia gets a lot of uh, attention, but it's more than just that. Whereas Real Madrid, this everything is just thrown up against the wall to see what sticks. 
Yeah, it's it's very very direct. Like you say, you make the perfect uh, point of the, the transition that Pep had. You know, he knew the system inside out of Barcelona as a player. And then as a coach, he worked at the lower levels for quite a while. He worked alongside Hill before he took official titles. He, he knew what he was getting on. The, the link between the B teams and the, and the further youth teams and the main teams of Barcelona was so significant as well, and still is, of course. Whereas with Real Madrid, it's very direct. There's no real link. And you have to wonder... You know, Zidane's really... He has, he has, he's been really thrown into the fire here from, uh, from a coaching perspective, Absolutely. Well, and, and so so this brings us to the question, as you said, that the, the links at Barcelona are very clear. And if we're going to compare what Real Madrid is doing with Zidane to what Barcelona did with Guardiola, then we have to consider the way that these teams play as well. I mean, Rafa Benitez, a bad style choice for Real Madrid. Here comes Zidane. He's talking about playing uh, attacking soccer, attacking football, like every other new manager. Is there there's going to be a change then? Yeah, I mean, the, what, the problem with Real Madrid is they've always had this attitude of trying to replicate something without actually looking to the, the deep roots of, of, of how to replicate it. They try to do something really quick. They'll work a Barcelona process, process that maybe takes five to ten years. Real Madrid will try to do that in six months to a year. And that's how it operates like that. And I can't see Real Madrid changing anything right now in terms of creating links between the different teams because that, that has been so disconnected now for quite some time with their youth teams and their, their, their B team, Castilla, who, who Zidane was in charge of. It's, it's such a strange entity. It almost feels, Castilla feels like a completely different club removed right, from Real yeah. Madrid. It, they don't really feel like where it's meant to be, a, a B team. It doesn't feel like that at all. And I don't think that's going to change either, unless Zidane specifically requested that. But I, I, again, I don't think that's going to be on his remit. I think his remit is going to try and get in the team playing good football, and then the project will remain the same. There'll still be big players. Galacticos board will be some new, two or three new players coming this summer, and they will try and move it on that sense. All right, let, let, let's move on. Um, you know, obviously, this is the, the biggest story in the world right now, and rightfully so. But y- give me a sense. Um, uh, you know, when we look at the rest of the league, and I've already identified, we, we've got. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the the table right now, uh, David. We've got Atleti at the top of the table, uh, two points ahead of Barcelona. Again, Barcelona with a game in hand because of that trip <clears throat> to the Club World Cup, uh, and, and and then more at Real Madrid, uh, four points back and two points back of Barcelona. As things continue, and 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 then there's other t- clubs here within touching distance. How do you see this thing continuing to play out again? And, and give me a sense of where Atleti is right now. Yeah, I think to answer your first question, I think right now is I think things are really set up for the finale right now. I'd, I'd be surprised to see any major shift from from any club um, from one of those clubs who is potentially outside of the top four. I can't see any of them really making a big move on the top three, despite it still being relatively tight by Spanish uh, league standards. So I think how we see it right now, Villarreal are really coming into form, um, you know, things like that. I think that'll stay the same and they'll put up a good fight, but obviously miss out on the top. But in terms of Atleti, it's such an interesting situation with Atleti. They have not played particularly well and they are not firing goals in. They are not destroying teams. The mentality there is it, it's stronger than ever. It's stronger than it's strong as it is that successful year what they had when they when they they blew Spanish football apart. And right now it's at such an interesting point that they are just putting teams aside just ever so gradually. And everybody's you, you kind of like, but they're not convincing. But you kind of know the win is coming. And it's such a strange, strange feeling, Athletic, because they haven't been convincing at all. And they've made two fantastic signings as well. They've already made two signings for January. 
Matias Canvitier from River Plate, and Augusto Fernandez from Celta de Vigo. And I think the latter, Augusto Fernandez, has the potential to be the, the signing of the season because Atleti, their main problem is they're not generating enough creative options for their attackers. Who, the attackers are getting a lot, of the, a lot of their focus for not scoring. But the problem has been their lack of creative output, and I think Augusto directly will deal with that. And, it's, and I think Atleti could really, really kick on in a big way, and I think that might even start beating teams convincingly now. That's, uh, well, obviously that would be interesting. We, we wondered if they were going to be able to replicate what they did a couple of years back with that La Liga title and obviously the, the trip to the final of the Champions League. Um, in, in relative terms, is the league, uh, you know, are we talking about a weaker league, a weaker Barcelona, Real Madrid, or just um, an Atleti who knows itself well enough to succeed regardless? This this Atleti team knows itself. Uh, I think very with the with the exception of Barcelona, who are who are also and I think in a in a very good situation, um, because of their success and the time. The squad is relatively the same at Barcelona. There hasn't been a great deal of changes. So with Atleti, they know themselves so so well. I think having the clarity of your ideas, your game plan, you know how to approach teams me- mentally and tactically as well. Is such a big, big factor, and they can just do that. Go out week out a week, week not week, and turn those results in, and just get those results in, put them in the bag, and then that's it. The only thing I see getting in the way is Champions League. I know Diego Simeone is absolutely hell bent; he's a man possessed for Atleti to win this Champions League because that will confirm how far they have come as a club. So that will be the only distraction I think where I can see getting in the way because I think they're yet to peak. Yeah. They've played 18 games here and they've yet to peak. And I think they might peak around 22, 23, and we might see a really strong finish for them. Well, let, 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 let me, you know, there, there, there are things to accomplish for Simeone and, and Atleti at this point. But let me go beyond that very quickly here since we're talking about managerial changes. Lots of speculation that Simeone's got a, a future somewhere else. Is this how? How long do you imagine him staying at, at Atleti? Um, I think he's building another another good team here. You look at the the average age of that squad, and it's it's dwindling. It's getting so small now because players are moving on, players are getting injured, and they're bringing young play, younger players in as well. And the question: you, you're either in two ballparks, you're either you're either in the field that says Simeone is building another great team. He's going to stay for the next three to five years. And, and see this through and, and get this Champions League that he wants so, so bad. Or he's he's getting a nice little squad together for the next man and, and leaving Atleti in a brilliant state because that doesn't happen very often when a manager leaves Atleti. They're left in a terrible state and they rip it up and start it again. Mm. So it's either one of those. And I think I think the Champions League is the ultimate goal. If he wins the Champions League this season, for me, he leaves. Simeone leaves 100% if, they win, if Atleti win the Champions League. Um, but I don't, if they don't, then I, I think he'll maybe see it out in another two years to to try and build that great team. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's go to something uh, some 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 uh, something kind of distressing here. At least the the story seems to be distressing. The Barcelona played to a goalless draw with Espanyol uh, on the weekend. Not exactly what what Barcelona wanted, but the thing that came out of it that's getting headlines is this uh, situation of of racist chants from Espanol fans towards towards Neymar. How, what have you heard about this, David? Where do things stand? Because last last thing I checked before I came on the air this morning was that Neymar said he didn't hear anything. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, Andres Iniesta said he believed, believed he heard. And uh, you know, the thing I suppose is well, but Neymar and myself, he hasn't heard. David? Yep. Your your phone has just dropped out on me, kind of completely. You sound like you're very very far away. Um, <laughs> there you are. There you are. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> go, go go ahead. 
Yeah, yeah. So to Neymar, he hasn't said he, ha he, ha he hasn't heard anything or seen any gestures. Espanyol's president, um, he said he, he said it's it's rubbish. There was nothing in the stadium, and there's only really Iniesta and, and a few a few others really saying that something occurred. But um, it, it hasn't been getting a great deal of attention. And, and now that Neymar has basically said he hasn't heard anything, then it's, it's kind of being uh, not swept under the carpet a little bit more. Well, you know, is that uh, in terms of the, the the racist incidents that we've seen in Spain, the how the league has addressed them, how Spanish football in general has addressed them, and then how the culture has responded? Uh, just give me a sense of, of those things at this moment. Yeah, it's um, it's exactly what I said. It's it's <laughs> swept under the carpet. Just referring to this incident, that's pretty much what the whole subject is. Everything as a whole, in terms of racism, in terms of. Uh, you, you know, really, really tackling the the, the ingrained problem that uh, Spain has as a society, as a culture, as a, the the you know as a game. If we're going to focus on football, it has lots of problems, um, and it, it is. It's very much a subject swept into the carpet. It's something that isn't addressed in a way that it is in in, a, in another country, shall we say, like somewhere like England, where I'm from. Uh, I got a question from uh, my uh, one of our listeners, Vince, up in Toronto. He wants to know. Um, what, he says, "Wouldn't Simeone only leave Atleti for Argentina? Do you think that that's uh, you know, regardless of the Champions League, do you think he would leave for something like that?" Um, I think Argentina is a great shout again. I think that's one of his, that's one of his dreams to coach there, and I, I think he's he's probably got he's got some business in in Italy to do as well after after playing there. So I think he'll want to go there and and take a big job in in Italy and really prove himself there potentially in Inter or Lazio or one of the one of those clubs where he's got a bit of. But the thing with Simeone is he's he's a man who draws from identity. Mm -hmm. He needs to go to a club that has a bit of feeling and a bit of sentiment to him. He's the kind of guy who might turn up in the stadium the day he's presented and think, oh my God, I've got no connection with this club at all. How can I draw on what I am as a person, what I bring um, to, to the team uh, at a random club? So he needs to really feel the identity and he certainly feel with Argentina. incredibly interesting that you say that, David, because that runs counter to so much of the ethos of, of the top managers in the world right now. Again, they, they, they're, they're hired guns. There's only five or six, maybe seven guys who who reach a certain level that then go through this cycle where they're constantly mentioned for the 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 top four or five biggest clubs in in the world. I mean, I'm not sure Rafa was in that group, but he got put into that group because of Real Madrid. And and here he had some connection, but here's a guy in Simeone who people want to elevate to that level. He's certainly been mentioned as a candidate for some extremely big jobs. I think Chelsea even came up with him, and and, and yet. He's also somebody who may not feel comfortable walking into a situation cold, as you said. That 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 is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think if he went to a club like Chelsea, he would be wondering what is there for for him that to, to draw upon. Because I know he, he that was immediately the, one of the first things he did. I let he draw on what that club was to him as a player, what it meant to him, what it means to the people. Uh, who support our lady in in that city under Real Madrid spotlight, and he really brought that to the fore. So I do wonder if he went to a Manchester United or Chelsea, how he could re replicate that same passion, that same aggression that he has at Lady. But I think if he went to a Lazio or Argentina, it is a wonderful example. I think Simeone in his head has probably got three or four jobs that he wants to do in his career, and he's in one of them now. So there's probably only another two, Argentina and another club that will that will probably suit him. He's, he's not going to be a guy who, 
who fritz between different clubs in different countries. Let, let, let's put a bow before I let you go, David. Let's put a bow on this Real Madrid uh, managerial change with Rafa Benitez yep. out. I mean, I'm just sitting here and look. I, I don't think that that Rafa Benitez is is always a sympathetic figure, and I, but but somehow Real Madrid has turned him into one. Uh, again, whether he deserved to lose his job or not, I think it's the, the mechanisms, the way that Real Madrid goes about their business. You had a tweet. You shared a tweet from somebody that said that Rafa didn't even hear directly from the club. He had to hear sure. about being fired through the press. This this is – and if, if you're a fan <clears> – I'm not trying to offend Real Madrid fans out there listening to the show right now. If you're a fan of Real Madrid, you know exactly what this is. Your club is, is – is, I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, your, your club is the evil empire. And they set themselves up against everybody else. I just want to—I want to thank Real Madrid for making that narrative so clear right now. <laughs> Absolutely, they—they they really are seen as the evil empire. Barcelona is seen as the, you know, the, the handsome prince in the kingdom, you know, who's uh, going to save the girl, you know, from Real Madrid, and they really put up on that pedestal. And it's—you can see why Real Madrid fans sometimes get a little bit angry because. Uh, you know, they, they shouldn't probably be portrayed as that because Barcelona, as we've discussed, have, have got their sure. own ill. Yes, Barcelona is not uh, squeaky clean by any stretch of the imagination. And, and Real Absolutely Madrid. Absolutely not. And Real I, live, I, I live here and I see this club every <laughs> single day and I know it very well and it, it really isn't. <laughs> and, and, and at the same time, Real Madrid is only operating within the same environment as all of the top clubs in, in the world. It's just the way that modern football works. And yet, here we have this dichotomy, which again, I, I very whether or not Real Madrid is evil and Barcelona is good, I, I just love the the narrative story that we get. And again, Real Madrid fans, just just accept that that's the perception, own it, and and root for your team. And hopefully, Zidane is successful. Uh, David Cartledge, go follow him on Twitter. It's David J A C C A. He covers uh covers um spanish football for numerous outlets did i get that right i did get that right yeah you did you got perfect man david it's always brilliant to have you on the show thank you so much for the insight we'll be uh, closely watching events in spain and talk to you soon it's been great thanks a lot there goes david cartledge that is uh good stuff from him as always when we come back the phone lines will be open what do you make of zizu taking over at real madrid rafa getting the sack everything else on the table soccer morning worldsoccertalk.com Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning. Excuse me, on a Tuesday. Not sure if the phones are working. The the cold that is uh, threatening to freeze producer Trevor Hayward in pre- in place is also perhaps getting into the phone system. And uh, we'll set. We'll, we will see if this works. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. I don't know. Call call up Trevor. And say things that'll keep him warm. I don't know what that possibly could be. I actually don't want to know what that could possibly be. But there you go. Uh, we'll see if the phones work. 646-832-3909. I, I know some of you out there have thoughts on the appointment of Zinedine Zidane. My man, Eddie in Brooklyn, I'm going to put the call out right now. Eddie's a Real Madrid fan. I, I'm ready to hear what he makes of Rafa being fired 
in Zidane getting the job. And here's my concern. It's not, I'm not a Real Madrid fan, okay? I, I really don't care if they succeed. But my concern is that we are going to, again, see a legend of the game sully his reputation or damage his legacy because he has this attitude of, I can walk into one of the most difficult situations in the world, no experience, and succeed. And, and look, I, I don't begrudge the Don the opportunity to go and try this thing. But come on, man. Let's go to Roberto in Connecticut who's got some thoughts. On, uh, what's, what's up, Roberto? Let me ask you this, though, Jason. Yeah. Did, was the same thing asked to Guardiola when he came in? in I mean, but, but again, I mean, I don't remember back in 2008, Roberto, to be honest with you. Guardiola, great player, not not Zizou, okay, not this player, and and also again, as I said with David, the foundation, the step, this the step by step. Maybe it's not directly like this step and that step, and we have a plan for it. Maybe there were elements to Guardiola taking that job that sort of weren't planned, but for the most part, he was able to go along this kind of slow curve to build up to the point where okay, now you're. Barcelona manager Pep, Pep Guardiola. And and now you get to fully realize everything we've put into you, both as a player and as a coach, as you come through our system. That's not what's happening with Zizou. It's not what's happening with Zidane. And 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 I it's it's I mean, because it's Real Madrid and because because of the Galactico era and everything else, it's not as though he's directly connected with that club beyond uh, you know, I mean I don't know. It's not the same kind of connection, is what I'm saying. No, no, no. Personally, for me, I think they made a mistake having sacked Carlo Ancelotti at the end of the season. I think if anyone was going to replace um, him, it had to be someone as big but didn't have as much pressure as, say, Rafa Benitez. So clearly, for me, he wasn't really a good coach in the sense that, okay, while he has lost three games during his time there, it was a much more defensive Real Madrid that we've seen. And against Barcelona in the 4-0 loss, it was, it was clearly shown that that was not a Rafa Benitez team. It was much more offensive, and I think that was the reason. Because of that, it was because of the pressure of the fans and the um, and the president Florentino Perez to put a more offensive uh, side, well, put the stars in because of the importance of the this match. This is not going to surprise anybody. This isn't going to be a, a controversial statement. But Perez is an idiot. I mean, when you when you consider no, the, the, the 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 hiring of Rafa from the as you mentioned Ancelotti, why are you firing him? The hiring of, of Rafa in the beginning was so ill-fated. Every single rational person who knows anything about the situation at Madrid or the situation in La Liga looked at that or, or yep. Rafa's history said, what on earth are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're setting yourself up for failure. And again, it gets into the politics of Real Madrid. It comes back to whether or not, you know, you, the, 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 analysis could, the, the analysis of this situation could very easily be, Florentino Perez putting Rafa Benitez up as a shield for himself as much as it is we want Rafa Benitez to succeed. You know what I'm saying? And that's so messed yeah, up. Yes, I so messed up. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, personally, I think if Zidane doesn't get it, for me, I, I don't think Zidane's going to do much in this first season. I don't think they're going to win a title, not the Champions League or La Liga. They'll probably finish third, in my opinion. And I think that while it sounds like a cynical thought, but let me play devil's advocate for a bit. I think that if Perez was going to sack Zidane because of poor performances, the board is going to have to look at him and say, no, 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 
you're the one that should go, Mr. Perez, and the new president comes in. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, look, the, the, there's always a possibility of a shakeup there in the leadership at, at, at Real Madrid. But but let's just let's just forget about that upper uh, above the managerial position and just consider something, Roberto. Tell me if you believe that Zinedine, Zinedine Zidane is going to be measured on the same criteria as Rafa Benitez. Uh, look, he, he's had different different experience and everything. He's only coached the. Um, he's, he was assistant to Ancelotti, and during that successful um, Decima season, and then he went to the Castilla season um, last season. So it, it's going to be tough to tell. I think that while we don't know what time of team, what type of team he's going to have, time is going to tell. Time will tell definitely if performances go well after the first five games, and we'll consider it. It, it, it's so it's so funny because as you as we've identified, Rafa was a poor fit because Rafa had his way of playing. Right, he he brought that with him. That was part of who Rafa Benitez was. You hire Jose Mourinho, you know how he wants to play to succeed. You know how he wins championships and trophies. If you hire Rafa Benitez, it's like the same sort of thing without the recent success. You know what he's going to do. We have no concept of what Zinedine Zidane is going to do in this role, tactically speaking. But that's interesting because Real Madrid is less of a tactical job than most, right? I mean, you have you have Benzema, Bale, Ronaldo, Isco. I mean, you're running guys out there that are among the top one, uh, you know, top point one percent of players in the entire world every single time out. It's not really about your tactics. It's about getting them to play together and to, to buy in. So it's a man management job, and maybe Zidane's built for that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like like I said, it's all spe- speculation. Everything's going to be determined by the time his first match comes along, and then what happens in the Champions League and everything else. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch, Roberto. It really is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, man. You got anything else? No, I'm good. Thanks, Jason. All right, good stuff from uh, from our man Roberto up in uh, Connecticut. Good call from him. Let's uh, go ahead. 646-832-3909. So the phone lines, they are working. We are underway. We've got a little bit of time left. You've got thoughts on Zinedine Zidane. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm picking apart some tweets here. I, I'm looking um, I, I'm looking at, at the reaction around the Internet. I, I'm looking at, you know... I, I'm looking, it's just, it seems, I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to doubt. I want to believe. By the way, let's, let's, let's stop with the headbutt meme, please. Can we, can we stop with that? Everybody, and by the way, thank you. I'm saying this, this is completely sarcastic. Thank you to Family Guy for, for including a Zinedine Zidane joke in their show that is now all over my Twitter feed. I'm sort of beyond Family Guy at this point, and, and to see the joke, over and over again, the, the the vine or the video or the the gif or whatever of Zidane, the Zidane cartoon character headbutting somebody on a doorstep. What what am I doing? What is going on here? Robert in, in California, what's going to happen if Real Madrid lose or draw to a bottom five club in the table? Do you cover or spin for Zidane? I mean, that, that's sort of what I meant by the by what by how will Zidane be judged versus how Rafa Benitez was was judged how invested is Perez and is Real Madrid in the future of Zinedine Zidane as a manager 
specifically at Real Madrid. Because if you believe that this is your Guardiola or you're trying to massage the situation to create your own version of Guardiola, then you have to give him leash. You have to let him fail on some uh, at some level. Now, again, it's Real Madrid. Failure is relative. They're, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to fall farther than third probably in the league. Uh, they obviously want to want to go for the title, but you know, third in the league is probably the lowest they're going to end up. They're already in the in the, in the, in the round of sixteen in the Champions League. Who, who's their Champions League matchup, Trevor? Because I, I don't remember the draw off the top of my head. I, I should have that one. Um, I'll pull it up here because obviously that's going to determine um, w- whether or not you call Zidane's half year in charge his first half year in charge. A success because this is a club that's supposed to win trophies. Anything else, anything less than a trophy is a failure. Now, again, it's relative. I don't know if, see, if Rafa doesn't win the Champions League and Rafa doesn't win La Liga, then Rafa's a failure. If Zidane comes in halfway through the year because you fired Rafa and he doesn't win the Champions League and he doesn't win La Liga, then... He's he's not necessarily a failure, is he? Because he doesn't have the experience. Because you're asking him to learn on the job at the toughest environment, one of the toughest environments in football. But Real Madrid with um, uh, with Roma in the round of 16. I would expect them to get beyond that, right? So I would expect Real Madrid to move into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And, and, and Zidane is already talking about targeting the Champions League title. And again, as as they should, it's part, it, it's Real Madrid. That's their goal. That's what they should be going for every single year. But man, this is um, I don't care how much respect he has in that in that locker room. This is just going to be tough. He he may be built. He may have the respect. He may have the pedigree. He may have the attitude to walk in and wrangle those egos because that's the job, right? That's the job at Real Madrid. Wrangle the egos. Throw them out there and see what happens. I mean, really, that's that's what it is. Because you're only look, you're only doing so much to direct players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale, uh, Benzema. Um, you know, obviously these incredible names, the most, some of the most expensive players in the world. You're only doing so much to direct them. You're giving them a basic concept. I mean, this is this is this is what. While I know what he's talking about, I don't want. I wonder if it ever is going to actually fit um, the the teams he's working with. But this is what Jurgen Klinsmann is talking about in the modern context. You're supposed to be able to put your best your players out there, and if they're good players, if they're great players, then they're supposed to figure it out. You know, they're supposed to as the great players that they are as the true top talents that they are, they're supposed to work out exactly. You know, you can say it's a 4-4-2, it's a 4-2-3-1, it's a 4-3-2-1, whatever you want to put them out, put them out in, 4-3-3. But they've got to work out their responsibilities. They know what their jobs are. And they're only going, you're, you're not going to put, a, you're not going to put handcuffs on, Real, uh, on Cristiano Ronaldo. He's going to do what he does. Uh, I mean, again, when you have... Luka Modric, when you have Ronaldo, when you have Benzema, when you have Gareth Bale, when you have a back line that includes names like Marcelo and, and Pepe, obviously just nasty attitudes. Kaylor Navas, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. 
You should win games. You should win more than 61% of your games if you're Rafa Benitez. I don't know. I think we're going to try to squeeze in one more call here, 646-832-3909, or however many we get in the next couple of minutes here. It is Tuesday. It's the second day of 2015 in terms of shows. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any announcements I need to make right now. Is there any announcements, Trevor? You're busy. You're on the phone. I don't think so. Uh, ratings, reviews, that kind of stuff. Make sure you do that for us at uh, iTunes. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with something else. Richard up in Philly, what's up? Hey, Jason, how you doing? Doing well, sir. Happy New Year. All right. Uh, hey, thank you. Uh, I'm calling in late, late so I'm listening to the show, so I don't know if my points have been said, but you you were asking about Benitez and Real Madrid, and I think a lot of it really just goes back to Jose Mourinho. And it, and it also because a lot of it also went back to why Benitez was in Chelsea. I remember reading a story that Roman Abramovich wanted Jose Jose Mourinho after he fired. I believe I forget who coach was before, after Benitez was fired. He was fired that he took over for. But he said it was two reasons. One, it was he was Benitez was just a stopgap until Mourinho came back, and two, it was a it was to show the fans that he's in charge. Don't tell me who to pick. So I guess for Perez, it's, it was the same thing. I'm waiting for Benito, for Mourinho to get back to Madrid because that's the rumor being thrown around, thrown around already. He's going to head back to Madrid. And then he's telling the fans, I, I'm on the team. I do my choices. Yeah, but don't you don't you, tell me who to pick. But don't you, Richard, don't you, know? you, don't you feel as though, and I don't, you know, maybe he would consider it. Obviously, it's, again, the biggest club in the world. Uh, but if you're Mourinho, don't you feel as though that would be like Mourinho's last choice? Like, Marie, Jose Mourinho's in a position, despite the fact that he – had a terrible year and got fired at Chelsea, he's going to have his pick of jobs, or he should have his pick of jobs, right? I mean, he well, made, I remember. Well, he, I remember hearing a story a while back. I forget. I think it was one of the soc- on the soccer show. It was that Perez didn't want to get rid of Mourinho. It was the players made did a revolt and told Perez. Sure, but that's what us. I'm saying. Like, if you're Jose so Mourinho, him, but, why do you go back? Go like, why would you go back? The money, <laughs> the <laughs> money, and maybe Perez tells them. We're not going to have the same thing you had last time. You get full control. Who you want to get? Who you want to get rid of? Get rid of. We'll bring who you want. I don't. Something, I don't, something like that. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, look, your resources at Madrid um, are. Look, I think we're talking about degrees. Very. This is the one percent. Okay, and it's beyond that. I mean, it's the it's the one percent of the one percent. Jose Mourinho. <clears throat> first of all, he's boxed in now, where he can only coach. He can only manage unless he wants to quote unquote slum it. And, and paint himself as a guy who just wants to, you know, just wants to have a real challenge or, or, do, or wants to get out of the spotlight of a place like England or Spain, which is never true. That's never Jose, right? He's only, he's yeah. locked, he's locked in to managing what, five clubs? I mean, if, if they jobs are yeah. open Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, maybe, although I don't think they'd ever consider him. Um, I, there, there's maybe one more club on that list that I'm missing. Uh, well, uh, Italian Portugal? clubs. Uh, uh, Italian clubs. I- Inter, certainly. Um, that that's in that mix. Or maybe a national team. Or maybe a national team job. I don't think he wants that. I I think he wants to be. Jose Mourinho thrives when the lights, when the cameras are on, and 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 the lights are on, and the mic is in his face. And and if he's a national team manager, he's not getting enough of that to feed himself. He, he's not getting enough. Well, ironically. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but ironically, Spain's coaching. I think Spain's coach said after Euros, he's done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, Del Bosque you know? is retiring after the Euros. I, I don't see Jose 
coaching Spain. I mean, if Portugal came open and he really wanted to see what he could do with Portugal, maybe. I, I don't see... Uh, and, and Otherwise, it would have to be an experiment. It would have to be a top-level national team. I don't know. Spain doesn't seem like a right fit. I, I don't know. I, I think yeah. you know. There's there's rumors out there that Jose is getting frustrated waiting for Manchester United, which is fascinating to mm-hmm. me because that implies that uh, he believes he deserves that job and that Van Hall should be fired. Um, the the other yeah. the other alternative, as you said, maybe he goes back to Real Madrid at some point. I just, I don't I don't know. And, and you know, in order for that to happen now, then Zidane has to fail and. and I don't know if you're if you're Real Madrid if you really want Zidane to fail. And I remember you. I just called. I called the show to the last caller, and you were talking about Zidane and Guardiola. But and I think Zidane may not be part of the fame. But wasn't Zidane? You no, know, he was part of the Galacticos. But then after that, he became like the technical director, and then well, he was coach of the Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, team no, no, he's, and, he's had he's had jobs within the within the 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 system at at Real Madrid. That that's not. But but as we as we talked about with David Cartlidge, and you'll have to go back and listen to this, Richard, because I think you, maybe you missed it. The 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 organization at Real Madrid is much more com- compartmentalized than it is at Barcelona. The, Barcelona is more top down. We're all connected. We're all working towards the same goal. Uh, you know, we have our academy, which feeds this team and that team. We have the uh, you, you know we have the uh, the the academy teams, and we have uh, the reserve teams, et cetera, et cetera. Real Madrid has little fiefdoms within the organization, within the, within the club, and, and Zidane was coaching one of those little fiefdoms, and and now obviously you know it got him to where he is, but there's you you can't draw the same line between Real Madrid senior team and what Zidane has been doing at Real Madrid as you could with Bar- with Guardiola and Barcelona. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily better every single time. I'm just saying that Barcelona has a whole more holistic view of of how they run their club than Real Madrid does. Yeah, but isn't he also like I said? He's a technical director, so he has that connection to the first team, I believe. So, he has what? He has I what? Mean, I don't think I don't think Zinedine Zidane had much influence over the first team until uh, until now. Sorry. Until now, we'll, we'll see though, Richard. I mean, it's fascinating to watch, right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate the call. I don't Thanks, all. There goes uh, Richard up in Philly. All right, it looks like we might have one more that we can squeeze in here. Uh, let's talk to Nelly. Uh, in Dallas, who wants to change the subject and uh, good stuff? Nelly, what's up? Did I not get to Nelly? Oh, let me push the button again. My fault. Nelly, you're on the air now. Hey, Jason. What's going I on? Think my I, know where for, I think I know where Jose Mourinho may go. Where's that? Uh, Portugal, Portugal is going to crash into in the Euros, okay. and then he's going to be the coach in okay. 20, in 2018. Is he? He he's been wanting to go to Portugal. I think I read an article once that he will. He said, "Yeah, I would love to." Well, yeah, but it, I mean, Portugal. it obviously has to be the right circumstance. He has to be out of a job. He has to have no major top club chasing him, and Portugal has to be in a place where he thinks he can succeed. I don't think I don't think Jose Mourinho takes the Portugal job unless he sees talent there to go and make some noise and do something significant. If they crash out of the Euros. And you have an, an aging Ronaldo and some, some real questions there in terms of the talent coming through for Portugal. Then does he really want to take on the job of building them up to get into, to Russia 2018? Right. Another thing I want to talk to you about, I was reading a while ago that Jordan Morris is training with, uh, 
What's her name? Bremen? Bremen, yeah. You know, I saw I saw that this morning. I think Grant Wall has reported that Jordan Morris is training with Werder Bremen. I don't know what that means. Uh, training stints can sometimes mean a, a lot, and sometimes they can mean nothing. Um, he's got the offer. Would it be better for him? Would it be better for him to be playing over there, or he's tw- no, no, no. He's twenty-one years old. He needs to be playing top-level soccer. I, I don't want to see Jordan Morris end up at Werder Bremen playing with the reserves for the next three years. I want to see if if there's time, if there's available minutes at Seattle, then I want to see Jordan Morris sign that contract with the Seattle Sounders and play whatever whatever you think of MLS in relation to to the 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 levels beyond below the Bundesliga in in Germany. Where would Werder Bremen? They play in the third division, right, or the fourth division? I'm sorry, I want him in MLS getting 2,000 minutes, then you know, or or 1,800 minutes rather than in Germany. Getting you know getting a ton of minutes for a team that's playing bad competition. But will he start for Seattle? I mean, you got no. He's not going to start. He's not. He's not going to start. But remember, you've got some aging talent ahead of him. You've got uh, Clint Dempsey who's going to miss a chunk of time with the U.S. during Copa uh, Copa America and qualifying. You got Obafemi Martins who may work himself back into the Nigeria picture. I think that's happened recently. And even if he doesn't. Uh, Oba, Oba picks up injuries every now and then. And you need to rest him at his age as well. I think he gets plenty of time. I think he gets enough starts. And you know what? If he makes himself, uh, if he if he shows what he can do, then Siggy will juggle that lineup to work in Jordan Morris and maybe drop Dempsey back a bit, uh, find a, a spot on the wing for somebody. Th- there'll be time on that field for Jordan Morris more than if he plays it. If he signs with Werder Bremen, that's for sure. All right. One last thing. Pau yes or no, MLS? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, I, I know his I know his knee is all banged up, but the guy is uh, he, he's fun. I don't know, he's a fun player. I, I I think it depends on how much you're paying him, Nelly. But if it's if it's a reasonable amount of money, then sure, why not? Bring Falcao. Okay, hope he does. But I doubt it. Yeah, well, that that does not <laughs> see. Thanks for the call, Nelly. That does not seem like an FC Dallas kind of signing these days. Not 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 uh, not the way things are being run at FC Dallas. But I will say, and I don't think Falcao's wearing it long anymore. His hair is short, right? Did Falcao chop off his hair? I, I think that's the case. I, I don't, he's not he's not really a, a big enough figure in the game anymore for me to to really know what his hair looks like these days. And my browser is is not responding to me right now as I try to to pull up uh, some stuff. If they did, if it, if Dallas did sign uh, Falcao, that and, and he could grow the hair back, that would overtake Juan Toja as the most perfectly coiffed Colombian player ever to suit up for FC Dallas. Yeah, all right. Let's wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Thank you very much to everybody who called in. Uh, thank you to those who uh, listened live. Uh, if you're a podcast listener, thank you to you as well. We don't want to. Act like you're not appreciated. Uh, I want to say that uh, we hope that Trevor gets his heat back because he is freezing uh, there and is coming to America apartment. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, another episode of Soccer Morning, Day, uh, Soccer Morning Wednesday. Uh, we'll see if there's another big high-profile managerial change. Probably not, but there'll be something to talk about in the world of football. It never stops. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.